Hello. Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? So good. So good. Mm. So good. Halfway through October. I made some mistakes uh, last night. I I got um, I went to the store and I bought some good food. <clears throat> that was just an excuse to buy some bad food. Oh, give yourself some cover. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I uh, went to I went to I had a little bit of cake, and then I decided it that it wasn't so much cake that I couldn't also have a bowl of ice cream. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so then I did that. And then right before I went to bed, I opened a bag of Fritos. <laughs> and then I actually took the Fritos to bed with me. <laughs> and a one night stand. Yeah. Ate Fritos uh, in bed. This is, this is part of single life, you know, hashtag yeah. single life. Yeah. 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 Ate Fritos in bed until, um, until I literally couldn't eat any more Fritos. Did you finish the I, bag? No, no, I got oh, about yeah. halfway through, but I, but I then I you know I went to sleep like, really feeling like I got I got some work done. That's some serious corn. Yeah, it's it a lot was of a corn. Lot, it was a lot of corn. Yeah, yeah. On top of ice cream, on top of cake. In fairness, though, I mean, uh, well, actually, I guess this mitigates against you a little bit, but you know, the, in my experience, Fritos pack pretty tight into a bag. It's not like that charade of a bag of potato chips. Yeah, exactly. No, no, no. It's uh, You get a lot of Fritos if you eat half a bag of Fritos in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm feeling good today. I'm feeling strong. I'm you feeling sound great. Uh, oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I'm back. I'm back, uh, back from being sick and <sighs> feeling strong. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I had, last night, I had a quarter of an apple pie and a small bowl of ice cream with it. Oh, a quarter of an apple pie. Yes. Uh, we have a local vendor that sells half rustic apple pie. You get half a rustic apple pie. It comes in half-sized. Uh, so you see, you're showing some restraint. You're not buying a whole pie. You're not a monster. Right. It's a half pie. So uh, so uh, Saturday night, I had a quarter of a pie. Mm-hmm. And then Sunday night, I had a quarter of a pie. Now there's no pie. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what uh-huh. makes it rustic? I don't know. Rustic? What does rustic mean? They use that a lot on TV food shows. It's rustic. what? It's hearty. It's simple ingredients. Ye olde? Is it ye olde? I think so. It was pretty ye pretty good. I heated it on Saturday, but I just ate it cold out of the plastic like a monster uh-huh. last night. Yeah. You know what rustic is? I bet it means that it has no uh, xanthan gum. Oh, you think there's no gum? I think I think they they cut out the xanthan gum. They cut out the uh, red dye number four. What do you think they use as a binding agent? Oh, jeez. I mean, uh, maybe magnesium. Okay, magnesium. That's good. You get that. You can get that from a banana. That's good for your oh. mental health. Magnesium, maybe, uh, maybe uh, like a laundry detergent. Or pa- patrol? Laundry detergent could be laundry detergent. That's rustic. People, people have always had clothes. Uh huh. They've always needed to wash clothes. So you know, you're not sensitive to corn. Some people are sensitive to corn. I mean, I'm sensitive to corny television. Hmm. Okay, but I'm not. Cor- I'm not sensitive to the to the vegetable corn. No, I like corn. Yeah. Whenever I've gone on one of those. Uh, low carb diets i always you know like losing pasta is a big that's a big punishment yeah like a standard wheat pasta yeah but i can but i can look at wheat pasta and recognize like 
yes, I understand this is garbage, you mm -hmm. know, for your body. Yeah. And so I'll put it down. I will. I'll just, this is the sacrifice I have to make. But corn mm -hmm. in the form of tortillas, mm -hmm. it's very hard for me to put tortillas down. I, yes, and I feel similarly about rice, where a big component of my uh, diet these days, I eat pho a couple times a week. Oh, pho. It's, it's so, so good. good. And it's rice noodles. So yeah. I feel like I'm being good to myself. I'm not, I don't know if our paleo ancestors made pho around the fire. Probably not. Yeah. Probably not. Uh, in, their but... groups, in their groups, their villages of 150 people by the firelight. I don't know if, they, I don't know if they had pho. I agree with you that pho feels like it should be an exception to any dietary restriction because it is uh, one of the great foods. Mm -hmm. It's mostly broth. Yeah, yeah. Except for the giant, like almost monkey brain sized glob of rice noodles at mm -hmm. the center of every truly great bowl of pho. But this is part of the beauty of pho. I've said this before. I'll say it again. Part of the beauty of pho is to me... Now, a lot of people, you go to a restaurant, you get pho, they give you a bowl of stuff and say, here's your pho. I right. get delivery pho, which means Whoa. I receive components. Stop right there. Separately packaged components. I get a deli-tainer of broth, sometimes with those half meatballs, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. I get a, little, they get a little bowl, and the bowl has the rice noodles and things like scallions in it, uh -huh. and then that might have the meat on top. And like I say, I, I pick out the tummy meats. I don't eat the tummy meats. But uh, but then you get a little baggie, and the baggie's got your bean sprouts, and it's got your cilantro, and it's got whatever those leaves are, yep. and it's got uh, like a little a little tiny deli tainer or some sauce that I never use, and it's got the little green pepper boys. And so what I love about that is, depending on how I'm feeling that day, I can deploy that pho according to my mood by mixing, matching, increasing, reducing any number of those ingredients that I want. And you know what I do? I'll add my own aftermarket lime juice from home. I'll do that Honey. all. I add sriracha, I add soy sauce, and then I add uh, some secret salt. You keep, uh, you keep some lime juice at home. Love lime juice. Little lime juice little, take you a long way. In a little uh, lime-shaped container? No, those are adorable. No, yeah. I get the regular 15-ounce bottle of lime juice. Oh, I like, use it, like I, you'd have in a bar. Yeah, I use it in adult beverages. I use it in cooking. And I'll take lime juice. I'm going to say something controversial. I like lime juice more than lemon juice. And I feel like it gives more zazz per cubic milliliter. Mm -hmm. And so I'll zazz it up a little bit of lime juice. But, but yeah, the point is then I can also do this. So sometimes what I used to do is I get two fuzz and marry them. Marry the fuzz. Marry the fuzz because I wanted extra meat. You now you know what I do. I, keep, I have some frozen steak in the freezer. I defrost it just the tiniest bit and then... I just it, I slice that slice that at home. I've got bonus bonus ribeye. So it's not steakums. No, no. Although you probably could use steakums. I could. Yeah. One of the one of the kinds of meats they put on there is already a little bit like steakum. I think that's the well done brisket. Mm -hmm. But what you do is a great trick is if you uh, got some frozen steak, you defrost it just a tiny bit in the microwave, and that yeah. makes it perfect for slicing. I have a couple of questions. Yes, you there. Uh, one, you said. Only sometimes do you get it with uh, the half meatballs. It, 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 do you not every time get it with the meatballs? This is a very good question. Depending on the day of the week, who's open, who's delivering, I choose from three different pho places. I have a preferred place. Uh, uh, uh -huh. The preferred place has their top-of-the-line pho, which has the very rare, let's be honest, raw ribeye. It's yes, got the brisket. They put in that little squid-like tripe business, and then they put no. in that disgusting, greasy like like uh connective tissue meat and i take all mm. that out 
Why do you not order it without those? Because that's a very good question. Now, the app that I use for this, it always comes down to apps. And the app does not allow you, if you start from scratch, you can only add one meat. In oh, this case, I just get, get the, out of here. You get one who wants one meat in soup. Come on. That's, that's limiting my options and changing my deployment technologies. So you get the four meat and take out two of the meats? Yeah, something like the five, I guess, if you count the meatballs. Those, those little weird meatballs they always make, they're, they're, they're real weird, but I like them a lot. They're, real, they're real like spongy. Meat. The first time I ever, uh, the first time I ever had pho, the woman um, that was working there said, "Have you ever had this?" And I said, "No." And she said, "Scoot over." Hmm. And she sat down next to me and she prepared my pho for me. But before that, she said, as I was ordering it, I was like, "I don't know what this is." And she said, "Well, I think you want the meatballs." And I was like, "Of course, I want the meatballs." And she said, "They're they're not like." normal meatballs. They're not like the meatballs you know. Mm-hmm. And I said, what are they like? Mm-hmm. And she said, they are uh, they are spongy and crunchy. Hmm. And I was like, let's do it. Yeah, it's and not I like the variegated ne- uh, Italian meatball. No. It's quite different. It's, uh, it, well, it's spongy and crunchy. It's got some, I mean, to- it's got some tooth feel to it. Toothy. It's toothy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay, so, um, yeah. So I had some other questions. So so you get the you get the pho, it's like um it's your preferred place mm-hmm. but they don't let you mix and match. Mm. And you're doing this through the app, so it's not like you're just calling them on the phone and ordering the pho that you want. Correct. Cuz cuz here's the thing about an app. A- an app, you know, it's made by the developers, the programmers. Mm. And so right. they make it a certain way. They like their little boxes that you tick, and I guess okay. it has to be something that's communicable to a Vietnamese restaurant. Or any kind of restaurant, really. There's all kinds of ways in which you can be sort of limited. You can't do like the off the menu type stuff. So yeah, I order over order order over what I want a little bit, and then I pull back. Yeah, is, is what is what I do. But you find that if you combine two fuzz, mm-hmm. you can get the fuzz you want. Yes, but it gets costly, and that's why I like to again in my deployment strategy. I like to I like to say, what do I a stone soup? What do I have to bring to this? And sometimes that's some beef. So I get bonus you bring beef. Because here's the thing. If I'm buying a second pho to mostly get mm, six ounces of beef, why don't I just cut up my own steak at home? Like, like, a, like a grown man. Are you right? Yeah, I mean, right, right. I'm, not, I'm not trying to shame anybody. You should get the pho that you want. But, but there's no need for me to be ordering two soups on the reg. Uh, sure. I'm not going to use all that broth. I'm not a monster. Oh, well, yeah. Well, I mean, mm, okay, well. so when you make Cheerios, you know the trick. You put Cheerios in a bowl. Do you know the trick? The trick is... I'm, I'm not sure. Well, uh, f- failing at other unified field theories for Cheerios, you put in enough milk so that they start to float. Mm-hmm. So when you see the level of the Cheerios rise just a little bit, that's a good amount of milk to start with. So you get a, you get a floater. You get, when no, I was it's a not kid, one floater. You get they all float. Well, saying. they rise, like, like the rising uh-huh. tide of an economy. Uh-huh. Like the, I think we were taught in those, in those monstrous breakfast commercials as kids that you're supposed to really drown that stuff in milk, and yeah, yeah. I don't like it as much. I find that if I put in a floaty amount of milk, that is a sufficient amount. I can always add more. You can, it's like I tell my daughter. You, you can't heat up cold water. You can only cool off hot water. That's physics. And I think something very similar is happening with Cheerios. Right. You, you, ever, try heat, you ever try and heat water. up cold water? You ever try and do that? I do it all the time. Well, but you do a steady stream. If you're in a bath and you're enjoying a sandwich and a coffee and, right. and, and doing a crossword, like you, you're regularly updating water that started out where you want. Uh, yeah, that's true. 
I'm saying my daughter thinks, oh, I'll put my hand under here. That feels too hot. And I say, uh-uh, you got to account for the fact that that's a cold tub it's going into, which is going to cool right. off the water. That's physics. Absolutely, that's physics. She will not believe me. She'll, she'll be in college before she realizes this, and she will, she will never credit me with this. But one of the, one of the other things that I find that is, that is physics is that um, you can, I think, in most places, without using the app, uh, just order the pho that you want. And they, they, if you you're the, at the restaurant, they can, they can, they can deploy their pho in, in the, to your choosing. Yeah, or you, talk, you call them on the phone. Yeah. You get the you get the pho. Mm-hmm. You get the pho, the pho you want. Ooh, do, 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 do. It's just the pho. It's just the pho. It's just the pho. Pho you want. Bow, 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 bow. You know, I've heard that song for 30 years, and I still get a little confused about where it comes in. I love that. I used to play in a cover band on the reg, and I uh-huh. still get confused about where, where the drums come in. I love that about that song. Well, and it's true for so much of the great Devo is, um, it's like, where are where am I now? Where's the one? Where's the one? Yeah. I mean, I asked that question, um, as you say, on the reg. I'm sorry, I said that twice. Um, the, I'm banned from saying that for the rest of this episode. Yes, <laughs> yes. A lot of your life, when you reach, especially by the time by the time you reach middle age, you're very fully aware of this. You're asking yourself, where's the one? Where's the one? I know there's four of something here, but where's the one? They Maybe. Maybe there's five. Maybe they flipped, an, uh, flip, flipped a switch. Maybe it's like a turn it on again, and you're not going to know for a pretty long time. Turn it right. on again. Try count and turn it on again. I'm oh, just it flips saying. it around, doesn't it? It flips it. And okay, you know what? God damn it! That's another one. What is that? What is that? Is that let's say I think it's like isn't like fifteen four. But he's playing. Dun, 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 dun. Dun. Yeah, he, but he's just he's got the two four going on the drums, and so it's it, it could be anything, right? Uh, you could put the you could come in anywhere you wanted on that. That's what's so beautiful about time that. signature. Time signature. I want to say it's like thirteen or fifteen. Oh gosh! Oh god! Can I read something from the Internet science page? Mm. The, uh, the song is characterized by a rhythmic... I think we've talked about this, but I don't care. Uh, the song is characterized by a rhythmic... This is a t- terrific song, by the way. If you have not gone back and re-listened to Turn It On Again in a while, treat yourself. It's an excellent shower song. The song is characterized by a rhythmic structure, uncharacteristically complex. All right, stop patting yourself on the back. The verse-chorus sections alternate time signatures 6-4 to 7-4, paren 13-4. Beauty. See, thirteen four, man. But it doesn't I, sound I, I say janky this all the time. It doesn't sound janky in Prague. Well, no, because you add because as it says, it's divided up into what six six four, right? Mm-hmm. Which is like six four, kind of. Yeah, it's like a reverse uh, Viennese waltz. <laughs> it's not actually a thing. But then <laughs> it's not seven thing. four, and so so <laughs> like uh, that famous Dave Brubeck song, take six, take six. Dun, well, dun, no, so, dun, so, dun, 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 so it dun, just dun. adds. A, <laughs> It just adds an extra, but because he's like, yeah. because he's just pounding along and then he does a little fill and you're like, this all sounds very natural and normal and satisfying. Yep. 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 It, yep. He doesn't leave you hanging out. Cause it's not, cause Prague is just like, Oh, check us out. It's like, it's, they're just pointing at their package, right? Like, yeah. check us out. We're so smart. This is crazy. Nobody's ever going to get this, but you, but let's be honest. You listen to a pop song, a pop song, and turn it on again. You could st- still very well, if you chose to count, you may still very much find yourself saying, "Where's the one?" Yeah. Well, you may find yourself living in a shotgun shack. Yeah, another part of the world. That's right. Hmm. Uh, Phil Collins is is, uh, is 
I mean, it's hard to say that he's underappreciated because I've he's come one around. Of, you he's you one broke of the me. Artists. You broke me, and I've come around. Plus, he seems like a genuinely nice guy, so I take it all back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's no Billy it's Joel. All, it's all right. We, we all have to go. We all have to go through this, you know. At one point, <laughs> everybody's got to learn sometime. Everybody's got to learn sometime. sometime. Clang. You Clang. know, I, I did a I did a cover of a I uh, did a couple of songs this past week. Um, uh, by Frightened Rabbit to uh, at a sort of memorial service. Oh, that's nice. And uh, one of them, one of the songs, has a, not an extra beat, but an extra clang. Um, where they're doing the, you know, they're doing the accents like bump, 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 bump type of thing. Yeah. But the first time only, leading in, uh, or uh, what is it, coming out of the first chorus, leading into the first chorus? No, coming out of the first chorus. They go bump, 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 bump. But, but it's not, they didn't add an extra beat. They just take the accent over into the one of the following. That doesn't uh, feel like a one. It feels like a four, right? It feels like a five, no. right? But it, they just, they're just subtracting it. They're just subtracting it from the, from the, uh, the verse that follows or from the, you know, from the measure that follows. You can add or subtract anywhere you want. It's your music. Yep. And it was, and it's very smart. And as I was covering it, I could never, it, it, it was a thing I'm sure when they played it, they really had to think about it until, until it became natural. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's, because it makes it sound complex when it's not, which is another really interesting choice. Mm-hmm. I like to make things sound simple when they're complex, mm-hmm. but to make them sound complex when they're simple is mm. also very smart. Hmm. Very smart. It's interesting to learn someone else's songs. I don't always do it. I don't do it very often. I always admire the people who like really learn the parts. You yeah. know, I'll, I'll get. The, I'm, I do like the simple guitar version. I'll learn the basic version of something. But like, what's the song <laughs> we want? Well, my daughter and I wanted to play a song together. She, her on ukulele and me on guitar. And every version of it uh, I could find was in like G flat. And I didn't mm. feel like doing a capo and transposing. And Mm-mm. it's just, I just kept looking and looking like, can you just somebody post this in G? I don't have time for this. I can't do that. Cause I'm not that guy. I'm not the guy who learns the part, but you do a little bit of the guy who learns the part. You get the gist, you learn the flavors, the texture, the taste. I feel like what I'm trying to do is to just make it sound like I wrote it, oh. <clears throat> you know, play it the way I play it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because if I play it the way, if I if I go too far away from playing it the way I play it, then it just sounds like I'm, I'm just I don't know. I'm trying to do something that I don't know how to do. Like yeah, you're wearing you, you're wearing somebody else's pants. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I I feel like wh- whenever the Long Winters tried to, uh, tried to do a cover, we always took that assignment very literally. Like if you listen to our cover of "In the Light," which we've described before, mm, uh, that's by, good. By, that's a good by the, one. The the Leds Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. Um, we just did our version of it as close as we could to the to the Led Zeppelin version, because that was what seemed fun to us, right? Like, mm-hmm. let's just do a cover of this. Like, see if we can do it. As see see if we can learn it. And then we listened to all the other songs on that album covered by all the other people. And everybody's trying to like do something smart and, Mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, we're going to get all experimental with these Led Zeppelin tunes. And that's probably fun for them. Although I don't think anybody wants to hear it. Mm -mm. You know, nobody wants to hear it. Sometimes that reverence can really 
I mean, it's, it can be very virtuosic, if that's a word, um, mm-hmm. to be able to pull it off. And it's kind of cool to hear that you're doing, that you're, you're interpreting it, but within the bounds of like, of the original, it's a respectful cover, but you're not just trying to ape it and have like, take the Mickey out. Yeah. I feel like, like anything, I guess the, uh, the number of great reimaginings of songs, uh, is pretty small, but it's, but they are, when it's great, it's great. I also feel mm-hmm. now looking back that the songs that we've done, which are like note for note covers are also not I mean, they seem somewhat pointless. Like when I hear those on the radio where it's like, oh, it's uh, Brooks and Dunn doing a note for note cover of a tune. I'm like, well, we already had that song. So why do we need? Why did yeah, you we don't do need it? another yeah. version of somebody trying to exactly replicate landslide? And that was my problem. I think when I when I look back at the at the attempts that the long winners have made to cover other artists. I mean, uh, when we did that John Flansburg song, we I was just going to say that's one you made your own. Yeah, we kind of long wintersified it, but because his is more like um, not a torch song, but much more low key. Like, don't you think? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me a pet name. It's almost a little loungy. Yeah, he's trying to be, you know, smooth. And you and we, it. Uh, we got up on the on the front of it, but um, but I don't feel you know. Uh, it's funny, and I don't. I, maybe I mentioned this before, but. In all the years of our friendship, uh, Flansburg has never mentioned that cover to me. He's never said like "good job" or, or like, "oh, you remember when you covered that song?" Or he just ne- it's, he's, he he's never a has specter. He's 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 a specter. He's a cipher. That guy is hard to get. Mm. No, in a good way. Like you, know, that guy's got you know he's got a lot going on all the time. He has he a does. very he's active a, mind. He's busy, busy person. Yeah. He he DM me about about a, a solution for my nasal problem, and I'll be eternally he, grateful. He dungeon mastered you? He dungeon mastered me to say, I was listening to your show, and you should try this this saline spray that my doctor recommended. And I did it, and I want to say thank you, John Flansburg. It's was this work- recently? Yeah, yeah, it works a treat. Uh, it, just, I- it just sprays a huge amount of salt water way far up your nose, and then it just Ooh. opens up. It's so yeah. great. It's so yeah. great. No, really? no, no. Put yourself in my shoes. Is it warm? No, no, no. It's just, it, it's, in a, it's not one of those Afrin-style... Uh, like squeeze bottles it's yeah. a, like an aerosol with a long pointy end it goes oh dear oh dear. Oh no it gets in there it really gets in there oh heavens to betsy isn't that going to hurt your brain i don't know i don't know how far it goes uh, according to him more of your head is sinus than you think is the thing he said oh believe me and when he I said know. that i immediately understood what he meant oh for sure i'm talking out of school but i just want to say thank you listener john <coughs> this episode of roderick on the line is brought to you in part by rx bar you can learn more about rx bar right now by visiting rxbar.com slash supertrain. Here's what you need to know. RxBar is a whole food protein bar. That means their bars are made with real whole ingredients and they want to be transparent and upfront with their customers, which is why they label the core ingredients on the front of the package with the flavor components right there on the back. Beyond being a go-to snack that checks off a number of nutritional boxes, RX bars actually taste delicious. They found that creating a bar from real whole food ingredients actually tastes better than anything out there. RX bar believes in the power of that transparency. So, uh, you know, they got no fillers, additives, chemicals, or added sugar. You'll likely recognize RX bars from the shelf. You'll see them. They're really cool. They're very kind of minimalistic and, and beautiful. Those are the ones that have egg whites for protein, dates to bind, nuts for texture, and other delicious ingredients like unsweetened chocolate, real fruit, and spices like sea salt and cinnamon. They're gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, 
Whether you like sweet or savory chocolate or fruit flavors, there's definitely an RX bar for you. No artificial colors, flavors, preservatives, or fillers. It's all the real stuff. Uh, RX bars are great for any number of occasions and needs. You can have breakfast on the go. Breakfast, right? You can snack at the office, push it through your slumps, throw one in your bag for the plane, uh, put one in a backpack for a bike ride or hike. Maybe you can even have it after, uh, before or after a workout. I don't work out, but I like snacks. Am I right? RX bars come in 14 delicious flavor varieties. Uh, I can't read all of these. There's so many. You get you get you get mango, pineapple, uh, chocolate, hazelnut, peanut butter, and berries. Chocolate sea salt. That is my personal favorite. A mixed berry, blueberry, maple. It goes on and on. There's so many. They have seasonal flavors too. They got them all. You guys, you got to try the RX bars. And now RX bar has de- debuted a RX nut butter, which contains a few simple and similar ingredients like egg whites, fruits, and nuts. Each single-serve packet contains delicious creamy nut butter with 9 grams of high-quality protein. It is squeezable and spreadable, and it pairs great with fruit, rice cakes, pretzels, or straight out of the pouch. I'm a big fan of RX bars, and so is everyone in my household. I know because I buy them, and then they disappear into mouths. Like I said, I'm really into the chocolate sea salt. I think it's super good. Great mouthfeel. Yum, yum. I make a point of deploying these into the places where I might get hungry during the day, places like my backpack and right here on my big boy desk. Got to try them. Try the X-Bar, RxBars. Here's the thing now. For 25% off your first order, you visit rxbar.com slash supertrain and enter the very special promo code supertrain at checkout. That's rxbar.com slash supertrain promo code supertrain. Our thanks to RX Bar for supporting Roderick on the line and all the great shows. You know, that Bing. You know, there are uh, there. There was a time I don't. I don't want to get too into it because no, I no. know this is a family show. But there well, was I got a lot there, more to say about music too. Yeah. One time I uh, I had a uh, you know my sinuses are are problematic for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is a new thing. I think this is like the new braces or the new autism. Like everybody's got sinus problems now. Oh well, because I don't think this always mo- used to be the case. They're more of your head than you think. That's exactly, Flansburg's exactly right. That's a way homer. Like, you really think about that, you probably got more sinus than brain. Poof. I have felt that for sure. I, and there was, there was one special moment, I'll never forget it, one special moment where I had a very bad sinus um, uh, experience where my head probably had an extra 13 pounds <sighs> of uh, materiel. Yes. In it. And then, uh, and then I was like, I was doing that thing where you're like trying to, you don't know whether to try and suck in or, or blow out or, you know, like something up or down, find the one shaking your head. Mm-hmm. I was walking down the street with a girl. Um, and I was, you know, getting, I was over the cold. Now I just had this, like, um, this glottal stop mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, within my whole self. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> And uh, and I was like <laughs> trying to get you know and this is like terrible. Like you're doing some patois of an African language. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, uh, well, we've told you before, don't don't eat while you're listening to the show. So yeah. I'm not, you know, I it's don't. Gonna get I, worse. It's going to get I apologize worse. for nothing. Yeah. Uh, but at one at, at one moment, if you can imagine, if you can imagine a cavern mm-hmm. like a cave system, mm-hmm. where perhaps some uh, some like. Thai Boy Scouts are trapped right. at a, in a lower level. But it's blocked up by like a beholder, like a slimy it, beholder. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like it, like a Slimer from Ghostbusters, except he's expanded to fill an entire cave system. Yes. Um, and then it all, and here, here, here it is. If you don't, you know, trigger alert. Trigger warning, if you want to, yeah. if you want to, if you want to go to the kitchen now, this is your time. But it all came unglued from the sides. At once, uh-huh. it went 
and I could feel it. I could feel my head, my, my, everything just like, oh, there was a release. There was a clearing. Right. And then there but was now it's, air. It's got to go somewhere. Yeah. There was air moving around the outside oh, of it. I know this feeling. But there was still a Cthulhu mm-hmm. inside of this giant sinus cavern, cavern. Mm-hmm. And then it all just like found a way, found a path. And I had I stopped on the side of the road and I turned away because I didn't want this girl to be a part yeah. of. I wanted to spare her this. Yeah, Pri- private moment. But then you know, basically, like something from an aquarium mm-hmm. came out of me, and I still, I still, um, you know, and came out like you know through. But, but my, the kind of thing that's got like a personality when it comes out. Oh yeah, it would, well, it represented two and a half weeks of my life, like a, substan- a substantial citizen, like somebody who does Toastmasters. There's like a, a thing, a sentient bit of eldritch horror that chooses to come out. Yep, and little little tendrils were still kind of holding on, and then they sort yeah. of peeled off, and then uh, and it came out of my mouth, and I still I rejoice about it to this day. It was like I've never gotten over a cold so instantaneously. Oh, yes, from all the way bad to all the way fine in one in one glorious moment where I, I didn't understand cause you, cause all of a sudden I could, I could feel every, every centimeter, every cubic centimeter yeah. of my sinuses. You it feel, all you came feel the alive. air rushing over parts oh. of your internals. You didn't know it ever been exposed. Oh, so wonderful. I wish it's I so, could it's do that. It's kind of like time. your alien, uh, transport reconstruction program, right? Like, uh, yeah, like, like transport me, break down all my cells and then rebuild me with just the good parts over here and then just leave this oh. pile of detritus at the bottom. Please, aliens, please. Can we not... I just want a fresh start. I just want a fresh start. Can we not do that? Just like everything, all the scar tissue gone, all yeah. of the like corpuscles or whatever that are clogging up my uh, my joints. Mm-hmm. Think, things I, things I you like may it's... not be aware of until they become a thing. But right. like every every little every little pinched nerve, every little caught elbow, every all that stuff that all ends up on the spaceship floor. <laughs> Wouldn't that be wonderful? God, I would I would just kill. What's well, sort of along my thing where, where like I wish I could just sleep for a month? Like I feel like if I just slept for one month, I would feel twenty percent better. And all I really need is like thirty contiguous days of sleep. If you just had, a, re- if, a system reboot. If you picked up the phone and could call the aliens, yep, and say. I want one. I want one thing. Cleep Glorp, I'm ready. One thing, though, mm-hmm. not everything. You don't go over me with a whole scanner and you get every. You fix everything. I just want. I, I all I get is one thing fixed. What would the thing be? Physically. Yep. They're just going to scan your body. I have a lot of mental things I could use a tweak on, oh, but for true. for physical things, um, I miss the days of not realizing I have a body. Oh. Do you know what I mean? Like uh-huh. the thing is, you think about what's a good day now. What's a good day in your fifties? A good day in your fifties is like you get up and you don't feel like shit because you're not focused on this or that or that or that. I know that's very general, um, but I I don't know. I you know I gotta say the sinus thing would be up there. I'm in pretty good general health except for all my problems. Yeah. But like I feel like in the sinus, if there have definitely been times when I'm like I would totally get with Gleepglorp if I could just breathe for a day. Because the oh, thing is, I feel like if I had more oxygen, I'd think better. I think you would. I'm probably just a little bit deprived, a little bit oxygen deprived. Because you never quite get, you never quite fill all the way up. I think so. Now, you, 
you, uh, as Joni Mitchell said, you know, you're uh, covered with keloids from the slings and uh, eras of outrageous romance. Mm. Um, she stole it from Willie the Shake, neither bar nor wonder be Romeo, Romeo, but, uh, underrated Joni Mitchell record. The thing for you, would it be teeth? Would it be like knees? What would, what would your, you get one reboot of, of a system? Yeah. What are you going to take? You just covered the two. The two that first jumped to mind. Would so you I, notice, would, like right now, as you as you walk around today, you notice you have knees. My knee, it, you know, I have a bad knee, and now uh, I've crossed over, and I always knew it would come. Uh, I've crossed over to where I have favored my good knee for so long that now my good knee is starting to protest uh-huh. all the years that I've relied on it um, to to. You know, and it's starting to protest just as the bad knee is starting to this is really literally fail. the only thing I agree agree with those nut job chiropractors about, which is that once you're off balance, the good side starts having to way overcompensate for the bad side, and it starts causing a new set of problems. So when I went to the chiropractor about my bad back, he was like, "Look, your left leg is like seventy five percent the size of your that's that's right that's leg. their racket." And I was like, no, yeah, yeah, all right. But my left leg is very damaged by uh, years and years of bad, bad behavior, bad life. I have to live with it. I have to, I have to, I have to live with my choices, sir. Yes. I'm not looking for a solution. I am, I should be punished. <laughs> but then <laughs> my, my missing tooth and the assorted uh, other, you know, the other teeth that are that are damaged as a result of um, of bad decisions in youth. Ma- maxillofacial anomaly, anomalies and, and mouth concerns. Uh, right, right. Uh, from you know, from all the from all the blows, all the blows that were delivered upon me. That also, I probably deserve. Probably almost deserved. certainly you should did. be. You should be punished. I should. I should be. I, I deserve unenjoyment, as Mike Squires once said to me. <laughs> um. <laughs> I, uh, he's, but, he's a friend. He's always there. Always, always there to help out. If I could choose one teeth or knee or knees, oh boy, you know, they're both ma- major, major, um, like disabilities, but they're not all the way to like, like a disability where I'm, where I, I just can't, I can't perform maximally. What, what, what would you what would you think between teeth and knees? Well, I, you, it's super interesting because I think about things like there, there are. I have to say, the first thing that comes to mind, honestly, is the things that I don't have or don't have often. Mm-hmm. Where like we have friends with chronic migraines, and I know that if I got migraines any more than once every couple of years, I damn sure would want the migraines to go away. There, to we me, have, we have a, a friend with chronic migraines that is uh, that it's truly disabling. Yeah, there's a, and, well, there's Jesse and there's a lady yeah. that I follow on Twitter. Who gets them like like I think like three four times a week, like okay, debilitating, yeah. like just life changing, life altering headaches, and they're so bad. I've only had half a dozen in my whole life, but they were really not fun. My mom had them too, and I don't get them that often. I think it is for me, uh, as my friend Alex would say, situational. I think it has to do with stuff like you know, it could just be I had too much chocolate and wine or something like that. The worst yeah. migraine I ever had was when we were touring wine country, and I, I really thought, I felt like I wanted to die. So that, so there's ones like that. And then, of course, you got the more biblical things, like I'd like to be able to walk and stuff like that. But right. the interesting thing between the knee and the mouth, on, on the one hand, you think, okay, well, the mouth stuff, you should be able to all get fixed mostly without extensive surgery. 
And like they mm. told you about your knee, right? Well, you know, believe me, whatever they replace it with is not going to be better than what you got. Get used right. to it. The thing about the mouth is the mouth is very personal. And it's mm. rarely, there's rarely any mouth stuff that doesn't have knock-on effects where like if you get one thing wrong with your mouth it feels like everything's wrong with your mouth like when you get True. a canker sore you just become one big mouth right True. cold sore anything like that so i don't know i mean i have to say i, I would i'm not you i don't have your knee but i think the knee is a contender that's that's a contender now as you see here today what do you think well the thing about the knee because both of these things are not now <clears throat> total problems but what the what the knees are going to do is they're going to slow me down so that when i'm you know 20 years from now i'm going to be walking with with a with a gait that's like my dad had which is like ha, 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 here i come i know that gait shuffle, maybe you get one of those shuffle. chains with the tennis balls on it i mean not that bad but mm. like my dad wasn't was a jock right he played tennis until he was 80 but he He's had, rolled down a hill he was, he definitely has rolled down a hill as an old man, but because of his knees, he didn't have, he didn't quite have bounce. You know, yeah. he, he had to, he had shuffle, like he could go, he could play tennis. He could go from foot to foot, but there was, he was tentative because of the knees. Right. And that yeah. tentativeness slows you down. It, it makes you old. It makes you seem older, but 20 years from now the my mouth, like Oh yeah, it's tough. The problem is lately, and I don't, I, I, I haven't really talked to anybody about this, but okay. I've been having anxiety attacks. You? Yeah. Huh? And I, I never had them ever before in my life. You mean like, like a near panic attack? Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. John, that sucks. I had one in the middle of the night the other night because I was starting to get sick, and I, and my ears started to clog, and my sinuses started to clog. I could feel it happening, yeah. and I knew it was going to happen. People say that's one of the one of the physical things you feel is that like it could be that your heartbeat is very high, or that you are going to be denied of breath, and yeah. that 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 becomes part of whatever it is you're anxious about. What it becomes is a physical sensation you can't unhook from. Right. And I knew that this was the beginning of at least a week or 10 days where I wasn't going to have access to my sinuses or my ears or, you know, and I started to feel claustrophobic and I, and then I started to, and then it started to ramp up. Well, this is all brand new. I mean, I never, I never had a single panic attack until the first one was about a year ago. Um, and then it was like, oh, I didn't have one for six or nine months. And then I had another one. And now I'm, because I've had a couple, now I'm afraid of them. That's the and thing. Now, this is yeah. a thing. That's a real thing. I told you about this book like three months ago, and I won't sell it to you again. But the basis of this book is it's for people with anxiety, but it's really for people with panic attacks. And people with the idea of what you're describing, this one woman in particular who's a highlight in the book, is like this whole chain of anxieties that go into her being on a plane. But at the end of, at the end of the road, it's ultimately she feels like she will die on a plane because she can already so imagine the feeling of being on a plane in the back row and starting to think she can't breathe. And now she's worried she's going to freak out and be embarrassed. And there's this whole constellation, uh, a kind of cascade of anxieties yeah. and meta anxieties that then just lead to more anxiety. Yeah. In, in my case, it is that I'm going to, um, that I'm going to have a bag over my head in the back of a police car with my hands cuffed behind me. <laughs> this episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Casper. You can learn more about Casper right now by visiting casper.com slash supertrain. You know Casper. Casper is the company that's focused on sleep 
and they're dedicated to making you exceptionally comfortable one night at a time. You spend one-third of your life sleeping, or you should be. Now, if you spend a third of your life doing anything, you want to make sure it's the very best it can possibly be. That's why you need Casper. Casper mattresses are perfectly designed for humans, with engineering to soothe and support your natural geometry. You see, it's got all the right support in all the right places. That's what you'd want out of a mattress, am I wrong? So what goes into making the Casper mattress so comfortable? They combine multiple supportive memory foams for a quality mattress with just the right sink and bounce. Casper mattresses are designed and developed in the U.S., and their breathable design helps to regulate your body temperature throughout the night. With over 20,000 reviews and an average rating of 4.8 stars, Casper is very quickly becoming the Internet's favorite mattress. And you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. They deliver directly to your door in an impossibly small box. You can't, you're even like, oh, well, how's there a mattress in that box? What's going on? And if for any reason you don't love it, Casper has a hassle-free return policy. I've never had to utilize the uh, hassle-free return policy because we got two Caspers and we love it. We're probably going to have to buy a third soon, and I'm definitely going to be getting it from the Casper. It's the only kind of mattress I want to sleep on. I, I'm just I'm a, I'm a big fan. Casper. Now, right now, you can get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash supertrain. And using that very special offer code supertrain at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Once again, you go to casper.com slash supertrain, very special offer code, supertrain. Our thanks to Casper for supporting Roderick on the line and all the great shows. <laughs> so that wasn't a one-time thing. No, no, no. Oh, it's a, John, it's, it's a con- I'm so it's sorry. A thing. <sighs> um, so, so, uh, so I really don't like that. And now I've been thinking about it recently because, you know, I'm missing my front tooth at the moment. Still. Yeah. And I need, because I don't want because I don't want to deal with it. And one of the problems now is that if in order to deal with it, I have to go to the dentist. And uh-huh. in order to go to the dentist, I have to be in a chair, Ugh. not strapped down, but with a bunch of shit in my mouth and and people hovering over me and a feeling that I, you can't escape. And I don't want any of that. And so I've been avoiding going to the dentist because I don't want because because of this panic that has descended upon me and I don't I'm just like look nothing's going to happen you've been to the dentist a thousand times but I'm like I know but what if I'm in the dentist chair and then they put a bag over my head yeah. and then throw me in a cop car mm-hmm. so the idea that I could have the ufos just like fix all the things so I never have to go to the dentist again mhm I think I will. I would take the sh- at least now. I would take the shuffling gait of a little old man over whatever, however many dozens of times I'll have to go to the dentist again before I finally shuffle off this mortal coil. I think that is uh, in our speculative um, fiction version. I-, I think that you may you've chosen well. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying, I'm trying now because when I was, I had, so this panic attack I had in the middle of the night, I really was panicking. Like I was, I was pacing up and down. I couldn't lay down in bed, pacing up and down four o'clock in the morning. I was trying to think of someone I could call on the phone and there's nobody you can call at four in the morning and say, I'm having a panic attack. Like there's not a living soul who wants to hear that. And so I went online and made the colossal mistake of Googling panic attack. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it seems so sensible. I was just like, well, maybe Google will help me here. 
And every single Google or every single result was like a panic attack is when you feel uh, a constriction in your, in your breath and your throat. And then you start. Pan-. And I was like, you are not helping. Every single thing I, I read was just a description of how bad a panic attack can be. And so I, you know, I had to throw my none phone of the, across None of the, the web pages were trying to talk you down. No, that's kind of what you needed. Yeah, you feel like the first the first result of panic attack should be shh, everything's fine. You're gonna be fine. be fine. It's fine. Just you survived. You survived all of this, and here you are. Yeah. Look, nothing. You're no one's putting a bag. Nothing over your is head. fucked not, here, dude. You're not gonna die in a plane crash. There's no dentist here. You're gonna be fine. And that is not what you find, right? You find a bunch of people on on WebMD uh-huh. who are like, when I have a panic attack, I sometimes shit my pants. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Leave it. No, thank you. Okay. <laughs> Next result. But you know, oh, like, see, do you think that's maybe how they get you? Not to change the topic, but don't you think it's a little maybe how they get you? How they get you? How they get you is like how somebody comes you. in looking for some consolation, but first they got to ramp it up before they're going to give you yeah. some nonsense non-solution. Well, so I never made it to the bottom of any of those pages. I was just like, nope, 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 close, close. And I was like, you know what? You know who your friend is here? Solitaire. Solitaire doesn't judge you. Mm-hmm. Solitaire does not want anything from you. Mm-mm. Solitaire is just there. Just play just, me. Just play me. Just play me. And if you get to the end and you didn't solve it, play another one. Yeah. We're not counting. No, it's just a card game. It's just a card game. Mm-hmm. And so I did that. I did it until I was so exhausted that I could... <clears throat> you know, just briefly, like, lay down and feel like, okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. But you know, this is not on brand for me. Mm. Panic attack is not is not like uh, on brand. But I started thinking. I've always been claustrophobic, mm-hmm. and what got me going was at one point, I think along the way, I said, well, you know, I n- nobody could ever throw me into an open grave. Like, I'm not somebody who's going to allow. My, I'm, not, I'm never going to go into a cave head first. First, first like, you're going to have to get John from the primary location. It'd right. have to be a secondary location, and there'd have to be a lot of people. And once you've seen, once you've seen the grave, you're going to be real careful about who's pushing. Oh, for There's sure. There's a I'm lot not gonna, of steps, a lot of steps. I'm not going to go out into a cornfield with a bunch of mobsters Mm-mm. and stand right on the edge of a grave and look down into it and go, who's ending up in here? Mm-hmm. Let's play a funny game. But here's the problem. Now I have a kid. Mm-hmm. And so I say, well, I'm never going to go into a, into a low cave. Well, what if my kid got in there and got stuck? Oh, well, so now I would go into that cave, but now I don't want to. Now you're thinking there. about caves. So what if my kid goes in and gets stuck and then I go in and get stuck, you know, like, and so I started to do oh. this, like, what happens if, what happens if a mobster has my kid and says, come over here and stand next to this open grave? Of course, I'm going to do what they, you know, I'm going to do it because of, because of my kid. Yeah. What if oh, a cop that, says, they've gotten to you. Yeah, I'm going to put a bag over your head and stick you in the back of this cop car or something bad's going to happen to your kid. And so every one of those scenarios now involves me having in my imaginarium, Mm -hmm. having to make a choice between protecting my daughter and being put into a claustrophobic situation. And that is like, so then I've given my brain license mm-hmm. to come up with 10,000 of those scenarios and play every one of them out where I am basically constricted, unable to breathe, unable to get my hands up to my face even. And all of them are, te- every one of them is terrible. And then I freak out. Now I'm sure people are listening to the show and they're like, look, I, 
I had to put my sandwich down because of what you were talking about earlier, and now you're making me have a panic attack. Mm-hmm. That's this sorry. is this is the problem of the human creative mind, is that once that door opens, that door just gets bigger and bigger, and a lot more doors open, and then it just becomes this little game of like, how much worse can I make this for myself? At least but in I don't my experience. Want this. I don't want this. Nobody I want something it. else. Nobody wants it, but you feel like you have to. It, because it's still, I, my, one theory of mine is because it is still mostly an inchoate fear, you, you, you feel the need to make it more real by coming up with more scenarios plausible and otherwise. Right. And you don't want to do that. Nobody wants to do that. That's not fun. Uh, no, mm. it's not. So, so uh, you know, and and I talked about this to uh, my psychiatrist, and of course, of course, of oh, they got an answer for they got an answer for everything. Yeah, he said, "Oh, well, all you need is this," and he gave me a blue some blue pill mm-hmm. that I'm supposed to take. Here, get the get this. I'm supposed to take it when I feel a panic attack coming on. Hmm. And I'm like, that's not when I needed. I needed it a half an hour before a panic attack started coming on. But also, I don't want drugs. I don't want to take drugs for things. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So, a mindfulness, mindfulness, brother. Hmm, I guess. Mindfulness. Mindfulness doesn't feel like what you need when you're going through that. No, no. Um, no. Well, I mean, this is all, I mean, this is all something that obviously has to get fixed because I can't keep going. I can't keep going like this. So, something, I have to just solve this. Hmm. That's, the, that's, that's going to reduce the panic feeling in me for sure that I have to solve this immediately. Yeah. Yeah. But when you're in the throes, I'm not, not to trigger anybody, but when you're in the throes of that, um, that does not even feel like an option. No, because I mean, I almost made a joke of like, well, you know, whether it's the dentist or the panic attack or the whatever, that means I have to like go find somebody's phone number and talk to them on the phone. Like there's so much stuff where it sounds so dumb, but it's not even, I mean, that's, that's trivial, but there's just this sense of like, I just don't want to talk to someone about this. I don't, I mean, like, let's take something as seemingly simple as a dental problem. I don't want to talk to a dentist. I don't, I don't want to get, and then of course I want a shame-free dentist. I want a shame-free medical team. I want somebody who just goes in, tells me what needs to happen, but like, so, and you people who don't have this problem will fuck off. But like, there's this whole thing of like this, like, well, now let's revisit all of your terrible decisions before we help you. And it's Mm. like, uh, I know my terrible decisions. That's why I don't go to the dentist. Mm-hmm. Or in, you know what I'm saying? Like there is just this this sense of like I don't know. I mean I'm not sure who you call when you're in a mood like that, because they're you know maybe they're going to minimize it. Maybe they're going to give you a check on the shoulder, or maybe they're going to say, "Well, okay, yeah, that sucks that you're having that. Let's talk about all your problems." And it's like, oh no, oh no, don't I don't I don't want to do that. I don't no. I just want to not feel like this. Now healthy people hear that and they go, "Oh, that's silly." Well, yeah, I'm people, sure there are people, I, people I, the example that always comes to mind for me is people who don't procrastinate versus people who do. And the people who don't procrastinate, look at the people who do procrastinate, and they're just like, well, you could just do it. I'm like, that seems that way, doesn't it? It's like, because you don't have that. So it's like, you, you know, it's almost like, you know, a difference in the colors you're able to see in the world, your ability to perceive what this thing could be like. If you feel like you're the baseline and you're the norm, like all you can see is the brokenness in other people who don't have that moored sense of okayness. You know, my mom said something interesting the other day because I've been, you know, I've been feeling, um, I've been feeling a little bit, uh, quick to anger and I think it's because of my because 
I'm anxious and I really am, you know, I'm not just, it's not just anxiousness in the form of, uh, being worried about somebody putting a bag over my head and putting me in a cop car. Uh It's a, it's just, there's a, I have a lot going on right now that is making me anxious and I'm not, I'm not dealing with anxiety very well. And so I have, and so what, what's happening is it's making me quick to, uh, to snap at people Uh where I'm like, um, you know, get off my back type of type of snapping. Uh-huh. Uh, when pe- when people are lecturing me or when, you know, when people are picking at me. And so I, I snapped at my mom the other day and she was like, what's the matter with you? You know, cause this has happened before. This was the years ago. She, she really jumped on me when I snapped at her. This is 10 years ago. She was like, you better get your shit straight. Um, and when she does, when she does that, you know, it has, it makes an impact on me because she doesn't usually like read you the riot act. But she was like, what's your problem? And I said, well, you know, I just, I feel like I judge myself so harshly. Um, and, and just like my, just like my, uh, bipolar disorder was a nightmare for me for 15 years before I finally did something about it. Now I feel like this, this self, abnegation this like this like self-hatred is you know i'm i'm just i'm i'm right at the edge of not being able to deal with it anymore Uh like i just cannot keep living like this but what it does is it makes me i also feel judged you know i'm not just judging myself but now i feel like i um now, aren't you sort of preemptively judging yourself? Like any area where you feel, well, maybe I'm projecting here. I think any area where you feel vulnerable, you're likely to, to already have focused that in your world of anxiety. Like you've all told, believe me, I'm already thinking about that. Yeah. Oh, well, for sure. And, and, and also like, it's surprising. I mean, one of the things that I decided years and years ago was that I was going to be generous with praise. Um, when a friend of mine or somebody close to me did something yeah. good, even small, doesn't cost anything. I would say like, Hey, that was great. You know, good job. I really liked what you did there. I really, you know, I appreciate, I appreciate that you were being nice there or, you know, I really loved your, I loved your book or your song or, or even really small stuff. Just like, just like try to congratulate people and say nice things to people, uh, all the time because it doesn't cost anything and it really is i think it's really nice even when um and even when people are like oh no Mm -hmm. or they or they don't respond at all like it doesn't it doesn't hurt me i'm not doing it to get uh for uh, to get a reaction or for them clapping yeah i'm not saying it because i'm a hero right but i have found as the years have gone by that um that people don't do it very much. And, um, I go through phases where all I want is an attaboy mm-hmm. and on the internet, we get it. You and I get it. People write in all the time and say like, you know, Hey, I love your show. Like, good job. And, and that stuff is, is nice. But like from my family, from my friends, from my closest people. Oh God. I, I, I hate how much I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And, and did you notice and, this thing I did? <laughs> right. I do that. I do that all the time. It's so, it's so incredibly needy. 
It's so desperately needy. I don't know if it's the same flavor as what you've got, but I'm like, I'm just, I want somebody to acknowledge that it's such a middle-aged man affliction. And I, I know what a middle-aged man affliction it is because we've reached the age, you know, uh, where the, we're just, we kind of disappear. And this is not, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to be all Lindsey Graham here, but our job is to just do the stuff. Just yeah. go do the stuff and the stuff gets done. And then, you, you know, but you don't get a ribbon. And sometimes well, you I, want a little ribbon. And most of the time, everybody around is just trying to deal with problems. So you're so and your job, so, you're, you're there to help with those problems. And you notice when problems don't get dealt with because those are the things, those are the things that people point out, like oh, you know, we're late, or oh, it's you know, the house is on fire again, or whatever. And you don't, nobody, nobody really, and 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 me in particular, I think, because I project so much. Um, so much sort of internal confidence, what appears to be a lot of confidence. So mm-hmm. I don't see, I'm, I'm not walking around saying like, am I a good boy? You know, I'm just kind of getting stuff done. And, and I feel, I feel like I think to other people, I feel like I'm fine. Um, so I said to my mom, like, you know, you, you and, and, and most of my people, most of my friends don't, um, you know, I just don't get very many attaboys, like hardly any, in fact, almost, almost to zero. And I mean, when I play a song at a show, my family, if they're there, will come up after and say like, you did great. Like that was a great song. And I think partly they know that, that that's something baked in, like you have to say, good job. But also I think my family likes my music. So they're genuine when they say it. But, but a lot of the work that I do is, well, it's just, just exactly like you and everybody we know. It's work that seems like it's kind of not work. Um, seems like doing, doing the things that we do, it's sort of fun or Mm -hmm. easy. And a lot of the things I'm bad at are the things that everybody else feels like are markers of competence. So every morning I wake up and I come downstairs and my house is a mess and all these projects are unfinished and I've got, you know, I built a mountain out of mashed potatoes, but I don't know what I'm trying to get at. (laughs) Um, and, Mm. and so I feel every minute of every day, my incompetence is really, visible and on display. And my mom has exactly the opposite. She has such tremendous competence. Does she feel that way? Well, so... I mean, she, I mean, would she describe herself as conf- competent? She, she cannot escape it, right? I mean, she would, absolutely. She, like, She's kind she, of a competence machine from the outside. She is. Her taxes are done January 1. Her, mm-hmm. you know, like... There she is she is doesn't no, have any unfinished mashed potatoes. She does not. And no, no bill has ever gone to collections with her. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. never a single time. She's never, she got pulled over once by a cop in 1962, you know, like this type of thing, like competence to, to the extreme. My mom can, if, if, uh, if you break a key in your lock, my mom will come over and change your locks for you. Like, <laughs> you know, like That's a high bar, this kind of competence. Right. Yeah. And I said, I, you know, I can do, th- I can do things. If you said, go build a house, I would build you like a sh- pretty shabby. 
well, not shabby because I'm a meticulous carpenter, but I'm not a great engineer. But I would build you a thing. I mm-hmm. could change the locks on your house. Like, I know how to do those things. I just would never get around to it because it's like, uh, you know, I'm working on this mashed potato thing. I'll get to the locks soon. And when I do something, when I when I get something done, like that's in that family of like, oh, I got to go out and run that extension cord out to that charger and put the charger on the thing. And when I do it, I'm like, yay me, oh, look at that. I did a, I did that thing. 100%. And like, did you so, all, I mean, like in my case, it's like, did you all see all the steps that I took and knew how to do in order? Yeah, like, yeah. do you understand? I, I, I changed our sink aerator. I put new bolts on the rocking chair. You guys didn't even notice. Like I went to the notice. store and I bought bolts. I, I went, I specced them out. I got the bolts. I came, they're real tight. I did a real good job and nobody even noticed. My, my office chair that I bought, because uh, I, I bought matching office chairs for my uh, podcast studio here mm-hmm. uh, for Ken and now Adam to sit. They sit in a nice chair over there and I sit in a chair over here. And our chairs are the exact same ones that they use on um, America's Got Talent or something. Wow, you know, they're like, nice. Yeah. But the problem is when I was buying them, I looked at it and it said, these chairs are rated up to 250 pounds. <laughs> And I was like, hmm, that's right on the line for me, Uh right? Like Ken is probably 170, Adam's probably 175. Um, Most of the people I know are in that 180 180 range. Mm -hmm. 250, you say. Hmm. That's rated all the way to 250. They rated it that, yeah. Well, I'd better not like mm. have a lot of receipts in my wallet uh, because that may tip me over. <laughs> so put anyway. on a lightweight chemise, <laughs> take up all that heavy lumberjack clothing. There. <laughs> Just have a little blouse. Just wear a little long blouse. Yeah, I better take the Pendleton off and put on a little a little blouse. Take off these glasses. <laughs> so every sure ounce enough. counts. And also, like I'm a lean back in the chair person. Like I'm hard on chairs. You, you explore the space for sure. Well, I do because, you know, when you're carrying around 250 pounds, you want to like, you know, you want to take a load off every once in a while. Sure. Well, sure enough, the chair starts to have a problem. Hmm. And I look at the chair from the side and I go, and I look at the other chair, the one that, that Ken and Adam sit in, that's that's just meticulous, right? And I'm like, my chair no longer looks like their chairs. It has deformed. What's it been, like a year, year and a half? No. No, How long? I think it has. Well, I think it's been six months. When did you hear that my chair start stop squeaking? Because mm. I had that squeaky chair for a while that everybody really liked. I have to be very still in mine. Or it does this. Well, I like it. I mm. like a squeaky chair, but that, that but ain't uh, no America's Got Talent chair. That's for sure. No, I mean I here, bought it before I'm, that was on the air for Shizzle. I'm rocking in my chair right now. It's making not a sound. Hmm. But what? So I, what I did is I took the middle of the night. They took the chair apart. <laughs> John. And I saw where my my 250 pounds plus a <laughs> wallet and a pencil. It's clear on the edge. You're not you're close to that. You're probably not over that. No, but I but I don't I think I think I'm 240, but when I lean back, I'm adding additional stress. Okay, you had a stone. And what happened was the metal, the actual metal bar bent. Mm, you fatigued and your chair. I did, and once it bent, it had metal fatigue. Mm. And so I sat there and I, I thought about it, I thought about it, I thought about it. I do not have the metalworking ability to put like a a steel bar in there as support. 
But I went out to the barn and I got two really big, like, you know, three inch diameter metal washers. And I brought them back in and I wrenched it all back together. And it was one of those projects where it, I, there was going to be so much like tension on the whole system that I had to lay on the floor, put my, put both feet against one part of the chair, pull it all the way with the, with my arms and then hold it while I stuck the bolt in and ratcheted it, uh, solid. Right. And I had to do that a couple of times, like use my entire body to bend this thing into submission. And when I got done, it had, it worked. It was solved. You fortified the chair. I fortified it. And now I'm sitting in it. I'm trying to like squeak out another six months before the whole thing, you know, like explodes underneath me and like a, like an ejection seat sends me up through the roof of my DB five. Um, but it was four o'clock in the morning and I looked around, you know, and I, I walked over to the hat rack and I grabbed the hat rack, you know, from behind, cause I have a jacket and some hats on it and, you know, kind of, it can, it can scare somebody that's not thinking because it kind of looks like a person. I grabbed it from behind and I shook it and I went, and a boy, good job. And I was like, thanks. Thanks buddy. Thanks dad. <laughs> uh, you know, and yeah. it's uh, yeah. it's it's uh, it's those little things. Oh, so does, so it, does it have a name? The hat rack. Yeah, I mean, when you're when you're when you're interacting with it as a father figure, does it have a name? Oh, uh, like Sweetums. Mr. Mr. Jenkins or something. I think, yeah, Sweetums, Mr. Thanks, Sweetums. Sweetums. Thanks, Sweetums. But I said to my mom, I was like, "Look, you know, you're so good at everything. You take care of everything, and I am fucking useless. I can't take care of anything. And so every day when you walk through here, and you know, and I mean, forget about ever saying attaboy. You walk through here and you just, you have this look on your face of like, ugh, like, and it's not that my house is gross. I don't like leave bananas lying around. Uh-uh. It's just that there's all these unfinished projects. And honestly, the mashed potatoes are a problem, but mm-hmm. there are all these little projects. What's it called? And, Devil's Tower? Is that what it's called? Devil, Devil's Tower, yeah. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't understand that a bin full of, of uh, XLR cables sometimes needs to be in the center of the room Mm -hmm. because I'm trying to get those XLR cables from one mental space to another. It's not that they, it's not that I'm taking them from one shelf to another. I'm taking them from one organizational state state to another. another. It's a a kind of a a organizational DMZ. Exactly. And so there has to pass through. It's like, it's going through some kind of like through an airlock, right? And it'll tell you, it'll tell you, I need to be over there. I need to just go now. Right. I'm going to sit here for a little bit. I'm going to collect myself. We're going to look at this again in a minute. The thing is that you could replace every cable in that box for less than $100. But in the the meantime, like these cable, because a lot of them are historic, you know, a lot of them have done, they've done a yeoman's job. Anyway, she doesn't, that's not how she thinks. So she walks through and she looks at it and I can just see on her face uh, that she's, I mean, and I am projecting, but I'm projecting like I'm. Uh, I, I see on her face like disdain for my father. I see on her face like all these things. These, um, this, because and what it does is it contributes to my feeling that I'm a failure. Uh-huh. And so I, I, I said all this to her, kind of in a, you know, like, um, I'm not, you know, I don't need any attaboys. I just don't need every minute of every day to feel like I'm a 
that, you know, that I have like some kind of failure to launch. And, um, and she said, you know, really, um, uncharacteristically sensitively, cause she's not, she's not usually maybe the one that is the most gentle. Mm-hmm. Um, she's she said, a, I would say she's to put it in a somewhat value neutral way. I would say she's direct. She's direct. Right. Um, but she said, look, you know, don't judge yourself against me. Like I am hyper, hyper capable and you'll never be capable like I am. But the thing is that capability that I have has always my whole life come at the expense of being able to do the things that you do, which is, Hmm. uh, make people feel good and make, you know, entertain people, make them happy, give them things to think about. Like, um, like she said, I don't please people. And so what I do do is make sure that all of the windows are square or, you know, I make sure that the, the oil in the car gets changed on a regular basis. That's that's an extraordinary amount of self-knowledge. Yeah. Well, and it was, it was very, it was very gentle of her, Mm -hmm. um, in, in her way. And it made me kind of walk away from it. Um, going like, uh, right, right, right. We say this to ourselves and to each other all the time. Like we're not, you know, like the normals are never going to understand, um, what we do. And we say it, we say it to each other to reinforce that, like what we do is a job. What we do is, um, is important. And it's, you know, it's typically, it's typically like you and me, um, because by the time you're, by the time you're Hodgman or whatever, like he knows what he's doing is, he knows what it is yeah. because he's being fairly compensated for it in one sense. Um, but also like he's driven to, he's driven to make things a certain way. But like those of us that have a lot of self doubt that, uh, when somebody says, oh, well, you know, like come do this for free because your job is fun. I did it. I did a thing for NBC universal last week where hmm. they were f- filming a television show, um, that's going to be broadcast on European television. And they wanted to come to Seattle and they wanted to talk to a local Seattle guy. And I spent a day with them, taking them all over town, you know, and, um, and giving them like the full Seattle treatment. You've had it, you know, the full Seattle treatment. Oh, hundred percent. You, you, you know it all. And you, you leave out the boring stuff and know, uh, you're, you're very good at it. You can explain docs in a way that might be surprisingly interesting to people. Yeah. I like to talk about the docs. Um, and they had a full camera crew, you know, like 10 people We're walking through the center of Pike place market in the middle of the day. And they've got people that are parting the crowds. They've got lighting people. And we're walking, we're strolling at a strolling pace where I'm like, over here, you'll see that the guys that are throwing the fish, they're not just throwing the fish, they're throwing the heart of Seattle. You know, just like horseshit. Um, but 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 the type of thing that that when Germans watch a television program about Seattle, they're gonna go, Ach du Lieber. They're gonna go, Scheiße. Um Yeah, das ist das ist Seattle. Das is Seattle. 
so we get uh, about halfway through the day. We're down at the uh, we're down at the aquarium. We're having a good old time, and the host of the program, and it's kind of misty and raining, and it's camera crew all around. And the host of the program goes, "Well, you know, it's like it's hard to believe that we're we're able to live like so well and have such a great life and get paid." And everybody goes, yeah, high fives. <laughs> and I was like, hmm. wait, the only person here that's not getting paid is me. Because they said it's not in the budget to pay the local guy. Interesting. You're being paid in European exposure. I'm getting paid in exposure. Mm-hmm. I'm getting Your paid European in- exposure. It's a whole different uh, mon- monetary unit. Oh, well, what I was getting paid in was opportunity Opportunity. that maybe NBC Universal oh. was going to say, like, this guy, let's use him for something. Let's use oh, this guy I with a missing front, too. I hadn't thought of too. that. You're going to say this is bu- this bubble somehow <laughs> bubbles up to the attention of an entirely different business unit that makes acquisition decisions about talent. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. Who's, that? who's that fella? <laughs> hey, that guy knows a lot about docs. <laughs> it's a opportunity. Uh, and so... And I was just like, oh, they did it again. Uh-huh. Oh, they, they did it again. I thought I had figured this out. I thought I was completely immune to this now because you and I have been through this a million times. We're not you're tra- doing it you're for Charlie free Brown. anymore. You're Charlie Brown and, and they're Lucy with the football. And, I'm go- and I was like, oh, well, this is fun because it came to me through a friend mm-hmm. who was like, look, I know. And it's a friend in the show business who said, look, man, I know that this is one of those things where – you know, you should be getting paid, but I'll, I'm telling you what, like, do this for me and, and, uh, and it'll be great. It'll end up being great. And, and, uh, and I got to the end of the day and I was like, oh fuck, I just got ripped off. Like I, I spent a, not just a full day of my life, but like I gave them a better show than they could have gotten for any amount of money. If they had hired someone, uh, you know, from from some kind of a casting place, they or would not the have Seattle been able to tourism, do. Uh, or, you know, anybody that, yeah, they couldn't have done it. You could not get a better show than, you could not get a better tour of Seattle than the one I give. And that's exactly what they wanted and needed. And, their, and the entire production probably ran into the tens of thousands of, m- more well, than that. At least, yeah. To get all these people there and everybody, you know, there were like three producers. There was a guy, there was a guy who was like some executive producer for NBC. But there was a line producer. You probably had a grip or a boy. Or a you couple. Got, you, got, you got lighting people with gloves probably. They're all staying in a nice hotel. They're mm-hmm. all flying from place to place. And so in that whole thing, I bet, there was I bet, not, they're, I bet they're getting paid with Euro Deutsches. Everybody is, right? And there's nobody there who's doing it for, for uh, Seattle exposure, right? No. And you could have given me, you could have given me five grand and it would have been just like, it would have, it was like what they spent on craft services. And I, yeah, I walked away like once again, like, oh, right. This is what I do is considered... Um, what I'm good at is not considered as valuable as somebody that is just, you know, is just key coding or, or for that matter, like somebody that used to be on like a, say a full house, right? Oh, you're not, you're not a recognizable face in that sense. Like the kind of person you'd see last night, I was watching some old Disney specials from, 
God, the Walt Disney show that we used to watch as kids, it's just purely promotion for other Disney properties. It's farcical, but like the kind of people you'd bring into like open uh, California adventure, you bring in like a Jim neighbors or like a Lyle Wagner. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean like you're riding on some sort of facial recognition from, you know, a decade or two previously. Right. Right, You're not, not, I mean, you are not in fairness that, but you do have expertise about docks in Seattle and fish. I would not be in the Hollywood squares. I never even got to be, well, I never was even on at midnight, Hmm. which seems like they didn't, you know, the standard of who got to be on at midnight. How hard is that? You pick up a phone. It wasn't that much higher than me, right? I mean, it was a little bit higher. Yeah. Anyway, I just feel like how to get to a place where you never take one of those again, unless, unless you really want to like i didn't i didn't do that because i believed in in nbc universal's story you know like what, I was, don't, the, what was their framing of why this particular person was taking us on this tour did you do well, obviously it'll be in the edit you probably don't know but did you have a sense of how they're going to frame that so the person is it that like they, lo, lo, local crank john roderick or is it like you know singer songwriter or what the person that is that is um like the host of the entire program is an Irish guy, a really nice Irish guy who uh, is a rock musician uh, or a folk musician of some kind. Hmm. Uh, Did you recognize him? I didn't know him, but that is, that's never like an indication, but you know, he's, if you look at his, uh, his CV, it's one sort of equivalent to mine. I mean, I think he's, he went out on tour with Elton John. So that's maybe a bigger, uh, like a, that's a bigger grab, um, than I ever, I ever had. I never went out with Elton John, but he's a, you know, he's a working, he's a jobbing musician, but he's, but he's great looking. He's got a beard. He's got, he wears one of those floppy Irish guy hats. Oh, I love a floppy Irish guy hat. Yeah, he's smart and he's funny. And so NBC universal, somewhere along the line, they got this guy as the host of the program. And so he is going around America and he's talking to people that are that, you know, this is the the conceit that they all have. Like they're going to show you the real thing. Mm -hmm. They're going to take you where you wouldn't go otherwise. Like for instance, somewhere gritty like the the fish market. Yeah. The Pike place market where no one ever goes when they visit Seattle or the aquarium, just some gritty stuff. Oh yeah. Those little hard to find corners of Seattle. Yeah, right. Like the mm-hmm. Space Needle or or the airport. <laughs> and so that <laughs> SeaTac. <laughs> so that's where, you know, that's where I came in. And and he didn't I don't think he knew I was wasn't getting paid. I think he thought I absolutely was, because he was. Um it was just somewhere along the line, somebody in some um producer said, Well, you know, we we don't have a budget. We don't have a budget for for paying like local talent. They just are going to do this <laughs> we because have, we only have a budget for paying the people who work. Yeah, we exactly. Right. We only have the budget right? for like me because I'm standing there watching this happen mm-hmm. uh, and probably you know making six hundred thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just when's, uh, when's it air? Do you know who knows? Who knows? Mm-hmm. I mean, I got the I got. At the end, because they wanted me for one day, and at the end of the first day, they said, "Oh, well, you got to be here for day two because, like, now the whole show 
uh, hinges on you because mm-hmm. you're like the you're the friend you're the friend we have here. And oh, you're gonna I see. Take they're us- paying you in exposure, but uh, tipping you in compliments. Yeah, now you're the guy. Yes. You know, we didn't think you're the you were guy, be John. The guy. You're Das Guy. We thought, we thought you were just going to be a regular guy, but now oh, you're now really you're the grew guy into this role. You're not paid for. And and then at the at as I was laying in bed at <laughs> you're night, you're so critical to this. If only we could pay you're, you. You're it's key. so bizarre. It's don't so bizarre. Now. Your words don't make sense with actions. They don't make sense. They don't. They don't. They don't line up. But that was the night that I had my panic attack in between the I, two gig days. Yeah, because oh, I was shit. because I was getting sick, and so at three o'clock in the morning, I wrote him and I said, "You guys, like, we spent all day out in the rain. I don't think that's why I got sick, but I am sick now, and I cannot spend another day wandering around in the rain." So they, they the, can just shoot another day at B-roll. Yeah, and the, the unspoken thing was like, uh, if you were paying me five grand, I might put on a hat. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, but <laughs> you're not you paying know, me hat money. <laughs> as it is, like I'm not going to come out in the rain and make myself double, triple sick. And I wouldn't have thought that if you hadn't been like, hey, you know, this was so amazing. Like, let's double down on this, and you give us two free days of. of it's like uh, almost like I mean, it's almost like they stayed over at your house. And then wanted to stay over another night. And you're like, well, well what's going on here? Like, that's. They, yeah, they stayed over at my house. They ate all my chili and then they complained there wasn't more chili. Yeah. We just need another um, day of chili. Oh, John. But so somehow, I mean, I, I, was so, I was so grateful to my mom for saying, like, saying a thing that, that we say to each other in order to try and bolster bolster our decisions where, you know, the first time you said to me, like, I'm not doing events at software companies anymore because I just, even the amount of money that they pay me isn't worth it for me. It's not, it's not worth, I mean, this sounds so, I mean, unfortunately this is just a a fact is that if you account for, so if you only count for, if you only count the times that you got what you wanted in the time frame you wanted, like you, and you start assuming that that's the norm, you know what I'm saying? Like you said, oh yeah, I got the exact, I got the amount I wanted and even more. The, the amount of work and preparation was, uh, was minimal. It mm-hmm. was not disruptive, but that's not how life works. The way life works is that people want to give you virtually no money to do huge amounts of work, including the hidden work of like an extra day here and there. And they want you to prepare for it. And they want you to make a workbook and some DVDs and all that kind of shit. And then the thing is, how many of those can you afford to even turn down? I, I know that's that sounds bananas, but like if if people look at it like okay, oh, this is the amount this person gets, they must get that every day. No, 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 no. You get that twice or three times a year, and then yeah. you get sixty of those you turn down. And guess how much time you spend on the ones that you turn down? Hopefully, as little time as possible. But you've got to get good at saying no to that stuff, or you're going to lose your mind. If you start thinking like everybody else, go, oh yeah, well, this is real. This is going to be all, all kinds of money. But that's not how it works. You know, well, and you, you can and you can sniff it. You can sniff it out. You can sniff it out so early. You do that orders of magnitude test with somebody, and you find out. I, I explained this to my daughter just the other day. She doesn't care, but I was trying to teach her the orders <laughs> of magnitude trick, and I was trying to explain, like you know, in the future when you when I'm going to negotiate with somebody about anything, try asking them to estimate between two orders of magnitude, and you will not believe how often the conversation stops right there, which is so telling. Well, you you pioneered what I thought was the genius thing, which is. You, you, you would go to a company and give a speech and then they would say, oh, well, it won't, 
you know, like it's 20 it's minutes, just 20 a, minutes. So it's a 20 minute talk. It's a 20 minute talk, but then they would walk you around the office and expect you to sit with the managers and, and spend your entire day kind of participating. What, that, um, that can be fine, but like what, what people try to, I'm sorry, I'm going to cut you off, but like what the th- mm-hmm. part that I've always found really galling just because it is either so naive, so stupid or, or so um, dark is when somebody would say, we need you for a 20 minute talk. To, we need you to come to Boston and talk for 20 minutes as though you're being paid a gajillion dollars an hour for that 20 minute talk. And it's like, well, no, if that takes three days of my life, I have to account for that. Plus, what if it changes? Plus, what right. about this? Plus, how long is it going to take you to reimburse me for the flight? You would not believe how, how many of these things you're expected to basically lay out money before they ever do. I, I can't afford to do that. I literally can't afford to do that. So I only want to work with people who are really aggressive about wanting to work with me. And like, I mean, you want to say to somebody there, like, well, when's the last time you waited six months to get paid, if at all? <laughs> it's like, this is like work. This is, I mean, it's work. And like, if you think it's work, you should pay it like it's work. And if you can't, you should ask real nice. And like, if it's the thing that I want to do, I would do. But like, it's such a sham. I'm sorry, I'm going off on a rant and changing the topic. Yeah. But it's such a sham. And it's like, you eventually get that Jesus in your life or you don't. And you will deal with so many bad people who seem uh, on the surface to be nice people, but they're not. They're scoundrels. They are scoundrels. I, the the thing I was uh, the thing I was complimenting you on was that you f- at some point along the way before you abandoned the whole uh, that whole style of, of speaking uh, and stuff. Yeah, making a living was that you would say to them right up front, "Look, I will come. I will spend an entire day with you. I will talk to your executive team. I will walk around. I'll drink I'll, I'll from sweep, every drinking I'll sweep fountain. I'll and pull soft serve if that's what you want. But what you're paying me for is the entire day." Let's mm-hmm. not pretend that you're paying me for a 20-minute speech. You're yeah. paying me for a day. And here is my day rate, which is different from my from what you think a 20-minute speech rate is. And that worked for you for a while. And I thought that that was a really smart way of looking at it because of what you were saying. Like, I, I'm burning a day to get there. I'm spending a whole day Let alone there. the I'm, prep time. A professional, a professional person who prepares speeches allocates, and this is not me, but a professional who prepares speeches and talks for a living allocates 10 hours of prep time for every hour that they speak. Right. And so there you go. You're paying for that too. You know, like this, this rate that I'm charging is not, you, you're, you're, you are, missing it entirely if you think that it's not this like is a bill clinton minutes. thing it's not like a learjet is going to fly me in and out and i walk away with three hundred thousand dollars like i don't get those kinds of arrangements i mean it's the same way we're like you know if you really like repairing shoes for a living that's good but like that can be a tough racket and there's gonna i mean how often though are you gonna have people come into your shoe repair place and go hey you should you should resole my shoes because i walk a lot and it's good exposure it's like that's <laughs> not how the world works or should work yeah when people when people compliment me on the soles of my shoes, I'll be sure to almost always remember to to mention your name. <laughs> I'll carry this entire brick of your cards around with me. <clears throat> and for me, uh, for me, it's like the idea that I am uh, that I am doing all these things in order to promote my band <laughs> is the additional hilarious thing. <laughs> like, oh, I hope that the people in Europe buy some long winter or listen to long winters on Spotify. Yeah. Like that's not 
going to help me. It can me. make you almost nine cents this quarter. <laughs> I mean, this quarter, right? I mean, nine whole cents. Um, but that is that, you know, that becomes a default thing too. Like, oh, well, you know, he's in a band. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, they won't even use my music in the show. You know, they'll just, they'll mention the band at some point. Right. And that's the, um, and that is the thing that should make me feel like, wow, I'm like on my way. I'm finally like, I'm going to be Taylor Swift one day. Gee, thanks, mister. You know, thanks, thanks, Mean Joe Green. (laughs) Hey, um, how's your how's your chair doing? My chair? Yeah, I I feel like my chair is like my knee. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting on it. Mm -hmm. It is. It does not feel a hundred percent stable. I don't want to lean all the way back and test it, so I sit in it kind of straight up and down now. But but real real dignified. But I've only had it for six months, so I'm not prepared. You know, when I walked across Europe, I, I went into REI, and I said to the guy <laughs> at REI, I'm going to walk a long way, and I need a good pair of shoes. This is not North Face. This is a different establishment. Yeah, this is, this is Recreational Equipment Incorporated. They got a real nice store there. They got a nice store. And the kid that was working there um, was wearing a pair of boots uh, that, lo- that, were very, that looked very good. And he was like, I recommend these boots that I'm wearing. They're, you know, they're super cool. They're super bulletproof. And I was like, oh, hmm. well, what are they? And he was like, they're mountaineering boots, hmm. but they'd be perfect for this long walk. And I was like, great. So I put these boots on and they were not, they were not inexpensive. Uh, they were thick leather uh, boots of the style that you would see. They were very Yodelehi-hoo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and that's exactly what I thought. When I thought of myself going on this walk across <laughs> Europe, I was like, ah. "You would really peg yourself as a snork." I, I really, <laughs> and so I was like, "I'll get them," you know. Oh, and I set off. I set off on my walk across Europe, and I realized pretty <laughs> shortly after I started. Well, so the the boots really beat up my feet, and my feet were just shredded. Uh, but I said, this is what happens when you decide you're going to walk all this long way in your brand new boots. You're going to have a period where you're breaking in your boots. You're breaking in your feet. And so I kept going. And the boots continued to shred my feet for weeks. And I, and I kept doubling down on them. And I would wrap my feet and I would try different ways of lacing the boots. And I kept going. Um, well, so the first probably three weeks of my walk across Europe, I was in constant pain, like super pain, the pain of rubbing raw feet in, in hard leather boots. And it never really got The kind of thing you would never tolerate at home. Like if you were at home and had to walk, you know, half a mile in those, you go, fuck this and change to something else. Right. If you had options, you wouldn't be wearing those. You wouldn't be wearing them. And this was part of my my whole hair shirt problem where I was like, well, this is what I, you know, this is what I signed up for. There's one thing you know is that you should be punished. That's right. And it was about a month in when I realized, oh, these are mountaineering boots. Whatever they were made for, I don't know, but it isn't this. These are either the wrong size, they're, whatever they are, they're the wrong boot because a month in, I should not still be suffering. And what I should have done at that point, because by then I was in Germany, I should have taken the boots and I should have just put them on the side of the road and figured that I spent, you know, $175 on these boots, but 
it is not worth the agony. And I should have just bought some hikers, you know, some well, like a question. Uh, were there were there ever points where you thought to yourself you're doing it wrong? Were there points where you blamed yourself and not the boots? Oh, for sure. Like, are you well, like but, either like, let's be honest, like you think on the one hand, oh, I'm just being a pussy or on the other hand, like I, I'm not living up to the potential of these, of this footwear that I bought for myself. Well, that or, um, you know, like I made the, the self punishment is, is way more insidious. It's like you made the decision to buy these boots and now, even though they're the wrong boots, you're going to have to live with that decision because you blah, 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 blah. And it's just back to like. You deserve it. You deserve mm-hmm. this. Um, so I continued to walk in those boots for seven months, and they never, ever, ever felt good. Ugh. And at any point along the way, I could have abandoned that idea and gone and gotten just some K Tech hikers for for a hundred bucks. And if I'd worn them out, I could have gotten a second pair, but instead I stayed in these, the, in, I stayed in the wrong boots. I walked the whole way in the wrong boots mm-hmm. and I'll never, you know, I can never go back and do that walk in a way where my feet weren't in pain the whole time. And it's a real, I mean, it's a real exclamation point on kind of on everything I do. Hmm. Good job, you know. <laughs> you really, uh, you really, you really uh, snagged uh, defeat from the jaws of victory there. Hmm. Could have gotten German boots. Uh, they boots. would be better. They would be better. The yeah. German boots would have been better, and then I would have these boots that I was like, I got them in Germany when I was there on the walk. Yeah. Did you um did you take them back to REI? No, I didn't. I all, have all, your, all your energy went into the zipper on that North Face bag. Yeah, because that was truly I mean, I felt like the boots were a uh Yeah, were but a, bad on me. The boots were a Roderick failure. Mm-hmm. The the North Face bag was a North Face failure. And they were gonna hear about it. Yeah. Um so I still have the boots because I can't get rid of them now. You're fucking kidding me. Because they symbolize the bad decision that I made on my long walk. So I take them out every once in a while and I look at them and then I try them on and I walk around like maybe they fit now. (laughs) Doing that strange, tentative, bouncy walk that one does to see if shoes are correct. Are these cool now? Did did something change? Did my feet get get different? What, what, What are the boots telling you? Maybe I should maybe I should start wearing these as fashion boots, <laughs> and you know, and then I They're wear not, them. those boots aren't done with you yet. I wear them around the house, and uh, and then uh, they start making my feet hurt in about mm-hmm. ten minutes. <laughs> you should go sit in your chair. <laughs> <laughs> 